Hallelujah. Thank you, ambassadors. If you have your Bible, you can open with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 4, the last verse. It reads, And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Then we have also Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10. With I the Lord search the heart, I try the veins, even to give every man according to his ways. And according to the fruit of his doings. Let us pray. Father, we desire to know you. We desire to walk in your ways. Reveal your word to us. So we ask the Lord, the words of our mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. And help us not to be, Lord, just hear us, but do us also. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, in these few moments, before we have our Thanksgiving services and all, I want to talk briefly about what I call non-vocal prayer. Non-vocal prayer. In Genesis chapter 4, the scripture we read said that Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. A lot of people, even people who are very heathen, believe they know how to pray. People who who are very wicked, they ask for prayers. Kings and leaders who are very mean. After all the wickedness, when you visit them and you are a priest, say, oh, pray for us also. Even the fetish priest who is helping people to kill and to maim and to do all kinds of evil, believe that there is something called prayer. And when people get born again and come into Christ, a lot of people enter Christ or the faith with their own ideas about how to call upon the name of the Lord. Even though the scripture is very clear that when you come to Christ, you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many people don't get transformed. The the same ideas and values and the way they thought God was when they were in the world, the same way they think God is as they have come to Christ. So, it's just a transposition of the way they do their things. And oftentimes, those traditional values and ways of doing things, when the church also adopts some of those methods, then they are comfortable. That's why we, you see that some of the new forms of prayer and praise and worship and acknowledging God is fitting into the African setting very well. Because one of the things you find in African traditional religion is um, 
signs and tokens. So you see that it has fitted well into our culture. We don't, when you go to the traditional priest, usually if you're having a, an issue with maybe health or something, they will do some things on your body. They will give you something to keep so that when you are, you are in trouble, you can fall on that thing. Talisman, something. So that becomes um, a source of faith and a link to what you believe God will hear you. So that deity, that shrine, responds when you invoke that thing. It's part of the whole thing. That's what is happening now. So, if you look trace the Christianity, one of the things we must understand that knowledge is progressive. Christianity, God had to bring us from nothing to the point where we are. People didn't begin to pray to God the way we today can bind, lose, and offer thanksgiving prayer, and, and, and a prayer of agreement, and, and prayer of intercession, all these prayers we are praying. We did, people didn't know that in the Old Testament. When you look at the times of Abel, in Genesis chapter 4, you see that Abel offered a sacrifice. What was the essence of the sacrifice? He just offered the sacrifice. He acknowledged by faith, and Hebrews confirms it. He did it by faith in responding to his maker. When Noah came out of the, of, the, of the flood and in acknowledging God, he just did it as an act of faith. He didn't go to God and say, I, I need a wife or I need children or I need breakthrough. So I'm calling on you, God. Today I'll fast for 40 days so that you give me a husband, a wife, a house. He didn't, that was not the motive of that altar that Noah did before the Lord. His was just an expression of his uh, appreciation to God for what he had done. And for many years, men related to God in prayer, out of faith, in, in submission to, the, the, to God, knowing that he was sovereign. It was not really about things people needed. Prayer has originally, from the scriptures, as you can see, from Genesis, was not about the needs of people. It's progressive knowledge that has brought us. The first person you see when you look at Genesis, especially when you get to the time of Abraham, even the invitation to intercede, it was God who invited Abraham to intercede. In chapter 18 of, Abra- of Genesis, when Abraham, God was going to destroy uh, 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 Lot and the, the whole family in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, I'm about to do this, but because of the relationship I have with Abraham, I know that he will train his family well. So I don't want to mix him up with the wicked, his descendants up with the wicked. So Abraham had the audacity to come before God. It was not Abraham's initiative to go before God and say, can I plead for Lot? No. Or for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. But you see, the first person that entreated God was Isaac. When the scripture said his wife was not having a child, and Isaac entreated the wife for the sake of the, the wife, and went to God and said, Lord, how can I serve you all these years and my wife not have an issue? That's the first real account, if you study it very well. That you see somebody is doing what we call supplication. Going before God with a problem, with a need. But if you see all the other people that were doing, they were just making altars and just acknowledging God. Burning things before God and saying, Lord, we belong to you. We know you. We don't see you. We don't hear you, but we acknowledge you. And we, they operated by faith. And this went on and on in the Old Testament until the time of Christ. 
it was Jesus that introduced certain types of prayers into our whole system. Hallelujah. The, the, the Lord's prayer, he didn't mean it to be a recitation or a repetition, but a pattern. And David also had a bit of the revelation in terms of worship and thanksgiving. But Jesus gave us the totality of the kind of prayers we are praying today. When he began, in the Lord's prayer, he began to talk about lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil, and he began to show us that, hey, if you are a child of God, you have authority in the spiritual realm to confront the forces of darkness. Amen. And it went on and on until today. The Apostle Paul also had another level of the revelation of prayer. When you look at Second Corinthians chapter 10, or Romans, uh, Ephesians 6, you see that he understood prayer from another level. And he began to apply those principles. What I'm driving at is that prayer has been a progressive thing over the years. Now, in our time, we, a lot of mix-up is going on in the church. Not only in Ghana. In Europe, in America, all over the world. In our bid to call upon the name of the Lord. In our bid to hear from God. In our bid to supplicate. In our bid to, to cry to God for our sins and all. People are doing all kinds of things. When you go to the Philippines. Every Easter, Good Friday. Somebody will say, I want to also die like Jesus died. And they will carry a cross. And they will nail them. They will carry a cross. They will, they will tie them for several hours. And they will say that they are also replicating Christ, so that their sins will be forgiven. All kinds of interpretations being given to calling upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In our time and in our own land, there are many who believe that if we have to touch God, the secret is in how much we can fast and pray. Fasting and prayer is good. Jesus said it. Last week we learned it. That such kind cannot come out except by prayer and by fasting. So there are situations that call for prayer and fasting. But I want to suggest to you this morning, as we go into the noon, that not every problem you have will be solved by your vocalizing your problem to God. By the shouting and the screaming or the, the, the way you talk and how you cry and how you stamp, how you clap your hands, how you, you make the noise, how you agree and, and have your shoulders like a prayer warrior sometimes do. And uh, you know how they look and the posture. If you understand, he who has yes, let him hear. If you don't understand, the Lord will help you. We are stamping. We are breaking. We are losing. Still, the issues are confronting us. Because according to the scripture we read in Jeremiah 17 and verse 10. Let's have that scripture. Jeremiah 17. Say, ask for God. He looks. He examines our hearts. And tries the reins. Even to give to every man. According to his will. So that you can, we can first pray, shout all we want. But the issue, the conclusion of the matter, does not lie in the works so much of prayer that we sometimes think we are doing. Even though God invites us to pray without ceasing. Really, the ultimate 
results of the praise lies in his examination of the heart. According to his ways. It says, he gives to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So, there is a connection between how God sees my heart and how he sees your heart and how he responds to my prayer and how he responds to your prayer. Don't let anybody deceive you. We can't just do anything, live anyhow. Ignore Jesus as the foundation of our faith. And when we are in trouble, we just want to say, oh, bishop, pastor, take this seed and, and pray for me. And all my problems are solved. And me, the pastors, many of us, we are not helping the people. Because the foundation of God's response to our need is the relationship he has with us. The way he looks into our hearts is key. That is why when you look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes world, even our faith. When you have faith in Jesus, a lot of the issues, a lot of the battles, a lot of the warfare that we are engaging is already taken care of. Because Jesus, the scripture said, as he appeared in one of the, some of the cities, the demons, they, they identified him, they located him. He said, he didn't pray for the people, he didn't start laying hands, he didn't start preaching, but as he entered the city, the unclean spirit people said, ah, Jesus of Nazareth, son of God, why have you come before our time? What do you want here? He hadn't said anything. Because the presence or the active presence of God was in, was in him. It is the presence of God that dealt with the demons. Then he responded to that presence by saying, hey, go out. Many of us, we are so particular about demons. We have, we have bracelets for morning demon. Bracelets for afternoon demon. We have bracelets for evening demon. We have our mother's bracelets for casting out our grandfather's demons. Our grandmother's demons. We have a necklace for our great-grandmother's demons. We have handkerchiefs for this one demon. And every area of our lives, we have, we have things to cover. We have a sticker. Get rid of, keep on holy go zone. Fire here will burn all my enemies. We are doing all of this. The demons are chasing us. They are chasing us. They have moved from our gates. They have entered our hall. They have moved from our hall. They have entered our bedroom. From our bedroom, they have entered our bed. And we are running for cover. Yet we say we are born again. Because we don't know him. If Jesus is active in your heart, something like that cannot happen. Say amen. Jesus said, you err because you don't know the scripture. There are many things that relationships we have with Jesus that takes place in our hearts that reflects in what I call non-vocalized prayer. It speaks for you in heaven. Even though you haven't said anything, because of the relationship and the way you are handling the relationship with Jesus, that issue has already been addressed. Some of us, we fear for our lives because how long we will live. People have told us things that when you dream once and you see lion, you see elephant, you see all kinds of things chasing you, people give meaning to it. When the scripture is there, that children obey your parents in the Lord, according to Ephesians 6 verse 1, that you may live long is the first commandment with a promise. 
It is a non-vocalized prayer. It's a prayer of obedience. Even though it's not written, you have not said anything. But an obedient child is invoking the power of God for longevity. You don't have to tell God every day, I want to live for 70 or 80 years. All these things about, I want to live for 90 years, uh, over my death, all those songs, it's not that, that which will make you live long. If you are a rebellious child, you are invoking short life. But if you are an obedient child, you are invoking longevity. A few weeks ago, I was at Action Chapel. The Archbishop was, we were ordaining some pastors. And Archbishop Duncan Williams said to them, that when you obey your parents, your natural parents, you are actually attracting natural longevity. But when you obey spiritual parents, you are invoking spiritual longevity. When you obey ministerial fathers, you are invoking ministerial longevity. So, a child of God cannot be walking. Those of us who say, oh, I can pray more than my pastor. I can pray more than my, my biological father or mother. You are, you are joking. Some of us, our parents and our people are, are hidden. They are not born again. Some of them are chiefs. Some of them, they, are, they go to shrines and all of that. Fetish priests and all of that. They invoke other things other than Jesus Christ. But don't joke as a child of God. Don't belittle those things. And say, oh, I can, I can walk in disobedience and rebellion. And still to be well, to not be well with you. Because there's a divine order. Fatherhood has the authority to, produce, to, 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 to pronounce longevity in a life. Spiritual father, those of us who are in the church, you don't respect your pastor, you don't respect anybody. You are, you are just a loose cannon in the church. You are in the church, but you are not submissive to spiritual authority. And you think that because you fast more, or you pray more, God will hear you more. God doesn't hear you more. You are invoking short life spiritually. You won't go far. In the same way in the ministry. I mean, my father, my biological father, Used to be a Methodist lay preacher. Now he says he's a chief. I know that means he has to go to the storeroom, all those things. But he's my father. He gave birth to me. I have to respect him. And bless him, sorry. Bless him still. Because I want to live long. So he respects me as a pastor. Not that I'm afraid of him, but I'm obeying the scripture. And when Archbishop was preaching, he talked about his father. His father was into all kinds of occultic practices. And he was telling us that when the father was about to die, he saw even the Sprinters Road Church. He described the church, everything to him and to the siblings. And they were all they, and he said, all the children, he called them to Kumasi and said so many things, just like Jacob died. They said before he died. Even though he was not born again, he was not spiritual. Born and renewed. And those children he cares, they were cursed. All those children he cares, the old man cares, they have been cursed. They didn't make it. And he told them, listen to this one, he's younger than most of you, but still listen to him. He's the head. So those of us who are supposed to be born again, church people, 
You don't regard any authority. Wife, not submissive. Child, not submissive. Living in disobedience. And you think you can pray. You know all the, the strategies of prayer. You have the morning prayer. WhatsApp prayers. You know there are some prayers they sent to you. WhatsApp in the morning. And prayers against your enemy. Prayer in the afternoon. Prayer. And you think because you are stamping and clapping and jumping and jumping from prayer meeting to prayer meeting, it is well with you. You are deluding yourself. God doesn't, he's not interested in those kind of prayers. Your obedience. He examines your obedience from the heart. And if you, it's, when you are obedient, to obey the scriptures is better than sacrifice. It's a very powerful prayer. If you can humble yourself. And sometimes obeying people who are above you, authorities in ministry or everywhere, can be difficult. Because you see, we are in a very independent world today. Children know their rights. Everybody knows their rights. And everybody is protective of their rights. In this Beijing and all these kind of laws that have come around, it's becoming more difficult to submit. But the scripture says, submit yourselves one to another. Say amen. Jesus' disciples one day were casting, going to catch fish. And he went to them and said, Launch out into the deep. He said, We have toiled all night and caught nothing. But at thy word, O oh Lord. Some, everybody in their life needs to have somebody who, when you look up to and say, At your word, daddy. At your word, mommy. At your word, pastor. At your word, bishop. I'm, I'm, Though I know, I, I, I don't, my inner feelings don't get right with this thing you are saying. But because it is you, because of the spiritual authority you have in my life, I'm willing to let go. It's not everything we argue and try to negotiate and, 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 per, and, and prevaricate and negotiate and uh, uh, align and disalign. All these things. And then we bring invocations of curses. Upon our lives. And you think it's your mother's family or father's family, and you are walking around trying to untangle. They tell you, buy uh, Uncle Charrier, you buy Uncle Charrier, you buy coconut, you buy oil, you buy salt, you buy all the things, and still you are under bondage because you are not obedient. Obuma! Obuma! You are taking the world like yours. Peninu Abrabum. Three years say, Peninu fear, Jay. Woe to you who doesn't have an elder. And I'm saying this spiritually and naturally. And some of the prayers we are you can go on a 30 day fast, 40 day fast. Your father or your mother who is not a believer, if they are not happy with you about something, their one word can nullify all the prayers you are praying. Because it's a divine principle. So don't provoke them. Don't, don't get them to a point where they will say things or do things. Look at Solomon in 1 Kings 3. From verse 3 to 14. Maybe 3 to 5 will help us. You see the power of offerings and sacrifices. And Solomon loved the Lord from his heart. Beginning. Walking in the statutes of David his father. Only is the obedience. 
Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Did he do? Even though in his ignorance, looking for God. Then verse 4. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For there was a great high place. A thousand burnt offerings and Solomon offered upon that altar. Then, and in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. He didn't ask the Lord to appear. The Lord himself appeared. The power of offerings and sacrifice. Who says that sacrifices and offerings don't move God? You pray, you break, you lose, but you don't give. You are very selfish, very stingy. It's me, my husband, me, my wife, and my children. All your life is about you. Your time is only about you. Even to the extent that even God who gave you the time, you don't go to his meeting, you don't go to church. You go when and as you are free. You have time for kifit, but you don't have time to serve the Lord. Selfishness is what is denied many of us our prayers, answers to our prayers. Sacrifice and offerings. Solomon didn't know how to pray the way some of us can pray. He just said, okay, me, I don't know how to pray, but let me just offer these thousand bullocks. Let me just go to God and, and just be thankful in my heart. Some of us could stand up on our feet one hour, two hours, and all of that. When they say offering, one, yes, what do they call it? The, the red money. Huh? Yes, Moja. Oh, it's not good. That's not the good. Vodafone. I'm not talking about you trying to give to church. Even blessing your own siblings. They have to cajole you, push you. You have been educated. I'm telling you now to my friends for Achimota. Many of us, we are privileged. You have been educated. You have been to professional university. That you have siblings who are struggling. I know some people who are very well to do. I knew, used to know some friends, rich people. And yet, you see, some of the, there was a man, very rich man that I knew many years ago, rich accountant. And you see his brothers coming to us in our shop begging for, for arms. And all his children are well-to-do professionals. And the brother was, then one of our ladies said, do you know this man? I said, no, he's the brother of this, your friend, who's a big accountant. How can, even if you go to the, and you are close to the, 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 the Catholic Archbishop of Accra, or whoever, and the Pope, and they do high mass for you, your prayers will not ascend to heaven. Because you are stingy. We are raising money for kingdom. Like we are talking about school. That's the only Anything that has to do with sharing your time and your life with others, you are closed. But when it's for you to get, you are ready to receive. When the scripture is very clear that it is more blessed to give than to receive. He said, in the morning withhold not, sow thy seed. In the evening withhold not thy hand. For either this or that. It's a principle. When Noah came out of the, of, the, of, the, of the flood, what did God tell him? He said, this principle of sowing and reaping will never, it's an eternal covenant with humankind. That's why the Buddhist Hindus in India and other places, even though they are not born again, they make more money from this. Jews, other people practicing this principle, it's a universal principle that God has instituted. And we who have the right from our God to exercise. We don't do it. To bless one another. To bless a, 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 a fellow brother or sister. Even our own people is a problem. 
Because we think that there is blessing in holding. But the scripture says there is blessing in giving. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, will men give, running over, will men give into your bosom. But many of us, it's like, the more I get, the more I hold. So you see, in our wardrobes, clothes, shoes, many of us sitting here, we have more than 20 shoes. Clothes, they enter. Four suitcases that have not been opened. Christmas is coming. May God touch your heart. And don't take the ragged ones. Take some of the good ones as well. And bless somebody. Enlarge your heart with mercy. Let mercy flow like a river in your heart. So that through you many will be blessed. It is the unspoken prayer of obedience. It's the unspoken prayer of offerings and sacrifice. When you offer a sacrifice to God, generously, you see how God will bless you. It's, it's the reason why many people are always, you see, all, even when we are giving, that is not a, an offering, a sacrifice. We are giving, we are giving a lot of times. It's because the pastor said, I'll give you a 24-hour miracle. And I receive it. That's not, a, that's not the way God wants to bless you, no. Cheerfully. Don't target the 24-hour miracle that uh, he will multiply it hundredfold. So you are waiting for that. That is like playing the, the bingo or the jungle, the, the, you, you, you know, cha-cha. You are hoping that as you put in, the thing will come. That's not what God is talking about. Cheerfully give. And he himself will bless you bountifully. Say amen. So number one, the, the prayer of the offering the, of obedience. Number two, offering and sacrifice. Number three, humility. When God looks at your heart and sees humility. Why do I say so? When you read the book of James, chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 10. Say, God gives grace to the humble. So when you are humble, it's not the prayers you pray that will make God give you. Grace means unmerited favor. Hallelujah. Unmerited favor. Favor. You don't have to chase favor and be saying, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. There's room for that. But real divine favor comes when when God himself looks at your heart, say, this my child, this my daughter, the way she is humble, the way she doesn't boast, she's there for me. I'll do this to let men know that I take the foolish things to confound the wise. That is how God works. And he becomes a defense. Many of the battles we are fighting is because we feel we know our rights. I know lawyer this, I know lawyer that, I know that person. Hype in society so they can fight for me. It's not of, uh, 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 the scripture says, not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but God that shows mercy. Because we are all full of who we know, where we know, what we have, it becomes difficult for God to even be active on our behalf. Humility activates the power of God. Look here, he says, wherefore, and he was talking about spiritual warfare, many of the battles we are engaging. The secret is just in saying, okay, I surrender, Lord. I have the power to exercise. I could take the chunk, but this one, out of humility, let me let it pass. That is how God fought for Moses. When his siblings rose up against him, God said, hey, as for this man, he's the meekest of all the men. And God fought the people, his sister and the brother. 
You say you have enemies. And you want God to fight for you. It's not by your talking plenty and you're looking for solicitors and barristers and people who can argue for you. No. Humble yourself. And you see, when it comes to self-humility, God says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Nobody's going to teach you. you. See, when you sit down and you examine where you have come from, and you see your classmates, some of them, their, their heels are broken because they have been struggling. Some of your relatives, you see where they, have, they are, that should humble you. When you see that when you wrote common entrance in 1974, 75, or 1980, you were 200,000 in the country, only 10,000 or 20,000 entered secondary school, and the rest fell by the wayside. And after that, another, only out of the 20,000 that went in, at all levels, only a few, maybe 5,000 or so, went to sixth form. And out of the 5,000, only uh, probably 1,000 entered university. The people, they learned this. The same teachers were standing in front of them. The same mass teacher, the Gok and the Sergeis, the same people were in front of them. What is the difference between you and that person who understood the calculus? And you, you understood the calculus and the person who went there was calculus, dx, uh, 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 dy. Uh, and you wrote... Look at the, 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 in the, the query, question said, where is uh, uh, x uh, cube and uh, uh, 4x and uh, divided by so so and so? And then you, when they ask you the question, you began, you began to describe the location of the x. You say, find x. Then you, you said, x is by the side of y here. Pointing to the x, 4x. So you make an arrow to the for 4. When you say 4x, 4x plus, uh, uh, plus 2. 4x plus 2 is equal to 10. Find x. You see people are calculating. Find x. 4x plus 2 is equal to 10. Find x. Take the 2 to the other side. 10 minus 2 becomes 8. 4x divided by 4. Div- uh, 8 divided by 4. So X is what? Two. But as I said this, you see somebody's mind is far. <laughs> you say X is by four. Arrow. What is the difference? You are not better. I am not better. It is just the grace of God that when the teacher was teaching, I, did, you did, I didn't sleep. Some people, they slept all through. Even in the exam room, they were sleeping. Some people too were giving birth in the uh, BECB exam hall. And journalists were writing, this year's BEC, 50 students were born, children were born, Eastern region. Nine children were born, Greater Accra. So they didn't finish the exam. Every year they calculate all those children that are born in exam rooms. Thank God that you were not impregnated before the time. Thank God that you are here. Now you are a nice lady. Everybody looks at you and says, oh, you have achieved. It is just the grace of God. So humble yourself, sister. Humble yourself, brother. You need to examine yourself. Look at your hometown. Everybody is coming from somewhere. Me, I'm from Isutatuzu. I'm not ashamed to mention it. But I'm happy. I'm proud of my village. I have no apologies. I was telling Abna, her hometown, when we were in sixth form, they used to teach us African traditional religion. In Swatri, in the Bronga, half region, he said, a woman whose totem was a tortoise. 
Oh, no, that one was a crocodile. In the middle of a festival, she began to behave like a crocodile and demanded that water be poured on her and wagged her tail like a crocodile. My dear, if you have come from a place like this, it's just the grace of God that has found you. Because you could have been the fetish priestess of the Nswatra fetish. It's true. You are no better. I'm no better. You could have and you have nothing to do but to go and serve in the shrine. Today you are here. The grace of God has found you. When we humble ourselves, God sees it. You see, when you examine all this, me, I think about it. Whenever I wake up in the night, I'm going to the washroom and I see that I can walk on tiles and I think about the people in Choco. I think about the people in Jamestown. I think about many. I said, God, I thank you. And that should humble you. Because what made you that you are born in cantonment? Some people are born at airport. Some people are born in some remote village which doesn't even have a name. Google Earth cannot locate them. But they are here. They are also on earth. And you are no more important than them. Humble yourself so that God can bless you. Say amen. Some of us have strong hearts. We don't forgive. The scripture talks about Job in chapter 42. I won't talk much. Job forgave his enemies, his friends. And the scripture says, in that moment, God restored to him a double portion of what he had lost. We are praying, we are breaking, we are losing. We are interceding. We are using signs and tokens. We are receiving prophetic words. We are confessing words of faith. But it's still not working because some of us have unforgiving spirit. We can't let go. But when Job, we are proud to talk about Job and his wealth. But when Job forgave his enemies, God blessed him. He didn't pray necessarily like, God give me back the double. No, that was not the prayer. It was forgiveness that brought about the restoration. Say amen. Will somebody forgive somebody tonight, today? Say amen. amen. Last but not the least. Forgive, uh, faithfulness. There is power in faithfulness. Some of us Always grumbling. Jesus said, if you are faithful in that which is another man, God will give you your own. You work for somebody, but you are always grumbling. You are always inciting others against your, your boss. You are in a church. You are not faithful to the ministry that the Lord has placed in your hand. And you expect God to always hear your prayer, but you are not committed. I'll give you a little illustration. See, when I used to work for the NAC many years ago, a few years ago, for 11 years, by the grace of God, we served under all kinds of difficult and challenging circumstances. I did not demand a persua for transport or for private allowance or for anything. And, but God, because he, I'm not better than anybody, but by the mercies of God, looking at how faithful we have served over the years, he, out of it all, to cut a long story short, gave us a freehold house in Accra. World. Everything. Freehold. In today's Ghana, you don't get freehold land. But we have a freehold land on a hill. Beautiful house. By the grace of God. God rewards an honest faithfulness. Men may not see. We started by talking about the fact that 
God examines the heart of people. You may be saying, I served him all these years. Look at Jacob. Jacob didn't go crying to God. I said this, my uncle. God gave me my own. No, he didn't do that. God looked at his heart of faithfulness for the seven years. And for other seven years. And for all of that. And God said, I will bless you. Anywhere the uncle turned, Jacob was blessed. May you, in your faithfulness, be it in the ministry, be it to, to somebody that you are said, maybe you are at the breaking point in the, ministry, in, in the work that you are doing for somebody. And it looks like you have done all, but the guy is not treating you well. Wait for God's timing. Don't go around. Don't, don't canvas for votes. We are in an era where majority uh, and democracy is always looking for more votes against another. Majority in the eyes of God isn't always right. One man with God is the majority. Otherwise, Moses would not be God's hero. All the people stood up against Moses, but God was on his side. It was enough. So sometimes the way as the scripture says, ask for God, he doesn't think as man thinks. Time will not permit me. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Think about these things. I don't know the methods you have been trying to use to reach God. But I tell you, God is looking at our hearts. More than all the words, the English, the tree, the ever, the gun, the house, all the things we are, and the things we are demonstrating, the stamping of feet, the jumping, all the things we are doing to impress God. We can't impress God. None of the things we are doing can impress God. He examines the reins of our hearts. And he used some of these things, our humility, our obedience, our faithfulness, our forgiveness. He uses our offering, our free will offering. I'm willing to go anywhere, Lord. That is how God looks at it. And on the basis of that, he meets us. Even things we have not asked for, God will still give us. And more than we have asked for. It's not how much you shout how great your need is. That makes God move in your favor. It is how he examines your heart and he decision, his decision to meet you. May God meet somebody at that point of need. May he touch you. Open your eyes to change the way things have been. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name. Amen.